Welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. We believe God wants to speak into your life through this message. If you're interested in knowing more about Celebration Church, you can visit our website at celebrationedmonton.com and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Celebration EDM. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy this message. Welcome to church. It is so great to have you here and it is my pleasure to be here at this church. So thank you for having me. Thank you for trusting my husband. I don't agree. I think that my husband is the best preacher in the world. And uh, I always think about how lucky it is that I enjoy his preaching, because how bad would it be having to listen to your husband every single week if you didn't enjoy his preaching? It would just be the worst thing ever. My name is Nadia. Um, My husband and I, we uh, are the pastors of a church in Ottawa. Yeah, please forgive us. We apologise. On behalf of all of Ontario, we apologise, we are sorry, but we are here to make amends and hopefully we can do that. Uh, We are originally from New Zealand. Are there any New Zealanders, any Kiwis in the house today? Just Levi and myself. That's okay. It's a great nation. We love it. But we thought, oh, you know, it's not good enough. We need to come to Canada. Canada is the place to be. And so in kind of the year 2018, we felt the call of God to come to Canada and we started local church in 2019. And it has been a wonderful journey. If God had told us that there would be a pandemic that would start six months in, what's up with that? Why couldn't he have given some kind of message? Like, hey, I'm calling you to Canada. But just so you know, this is gonna happen. But don't worry, you'll be great. You know, like God's usually pretty good at that, that encouragement sandwich. But that didn't happen. He just got us there and was like, ha, ha, ha. Like, this is great. This is gonna be a good story. But it has been a good story. Thankfully, by the grace of God, our church is going well. It is growing. There are salvations every week. And we are so grateful to see what God has been doing in the life of our church. And so if you've got your Bibles, would you turn with me? to Romans 5, three to five. It says this, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, amen. For we know how dearly God loves us because He has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Let's pray. God, we just thank You for Your presence here today. And Father, I just ask that You would speak. Father, that Your people would be edified and encouraged through Your Word. We thank You that You are good, that You are faithful, that You are with us and You help us to endure You help us to develop character. You help us on that journey to find hope, that hope that comes from You. And so today, Lord, would You speak, would You encourage, and would You fill us with hope? And every person said? Amen, amen. Amen. If you're uh, taking notes today, my message is entitled, The Burn Before the Turn. The Burn Before the Turn. Years ago, when we were still in New Zealand, Um, We were on staff at a church and the staff had maybe uh, 50 people in the church office. About 30 of them were uh, interns, 20 of them staff. 
And our senior pastor had a way of getting excited about certain things and then getting everybody else excited about that thing. And so he got really excited about road cycling. Are there any road cyclists out there today? Okay, Um, let's go, that's amazing. Um, He got everybody excited about road cycling. So all of a sudden, all of these men and a bunch of women were buying road cycle bikes and they were out there doing their thing. But it became quite a horrific, traumatic experience for a few of us who were still in the office because every day at about four o'clock, they started getting dressed early. And there are just some people in the world who should not be walking around in the church office dressed head to toe in cycling lycra. Like, keep that for your house. We love you, we accept you, we appreciate the work you do, but don't bring that into the church office. And at about four o'clock, Every day it would happen and a bunch of us are walking around, you know, and we're like, hey, did you get that service run sheet? Great, thanks so much. You know, it was just the most awkward thing ever. But of course, Levi got into cycling and he looks great. <laughs> I was like, more of that, please. And, uh, and so he got into cycling and then at the time he was celebrating his 30th birthday. And so I decided that as a family, we would buy him one of the nicest bikes. It was a Pinarello Quattro, really, really nice bike. And we bought it for his 30th birthday and I was excited about it. But then like what tends to happen sometimes in a marriage, I was like, well, if you've got one, I should have one too. <laughs> He's like, there's no way we're buying you a Pinarello. Like, when are you going to ride? And I was like, I'm going to ride. Do you remember me in high school? I was so sporty. He's like, yeah, when's the last time you did anything? I'm like, that does not matter. (laughs) Muscle memory, people, muscle memory. (laughs) So he said, okay, I'll I'll get you a a bike. And so he gets me kind of like just just a good bike. And we go out for a ride. The bike has unfortunately been sitting in our garage for quite a long time. Not my fault, I was a young mum. I had things to do, things to get done, right? But he says to me, babe, I've bought you this bike, it's time to get out on the bike. And I was like, no worries, muscle memory, it's all gonna come back. We are good. And he's like, okay, we'll go for a little ride. We get on the bike, we start going. We're like five minutes into it and I am hurting. I'm like, this was not a good idea, but I'm too proud. I can't show him my weakness in this moment. And this was, we lived at the top of the hill. We had only gone downhill at this point. (laughs) So we keep going and we go to a place. He says, babe, we're gonna go to the top of this uh, beautiful area, Paikakariki Hill. And uh, I'm like, yeah, great, awesome. It's just a hill, we're gonna be good. This was not a hill, it was a mountain, genuinely a mountain. We get there. We start going up and in my mind, I'm like, just, don't, just keep going, keep going. You can't show him that you're struggling right now. This is not gonna go well. It's gonna be a preaching story for him for forever. <laughs> it's just like, everybody's gonna hear about it. You cannot fail, you have to keep going. And so we're going and we're going and we kind of get about halfway there. And I'm not joking. Every single part of me is hurting. And then Levi, does this thing where we're next to each other and I'm like, <sighs> like I'm burning. You know, when you're, when you're in exercise, 
I've only experienced this a few times, but when you're in exercise and, it, and it's happening and you're just burning, it's like your fingers are burning. How do your fingers burn? How do your toes burn? How do your ears burn? Everything is burning. And Levi comes alongside me and he's just, <laughs> and he looks at me, he's like, babe, you good? I'm like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And he goes, oh, and he puts his hand out while he's cycling and he just starts pushing me up the hill while we're cycling. I'm like, get your hands off my back. I can do this myself. He's like, babe, you're gonna be good. And in my mind, I'm like, I am not going to be good. But you know when you just know you need to do it, but you just don't want to do it? You know you need to do it. Everything in me was like, do not give up. If you give up, it's gonna be told all around the world, you need to keep going. You know when you just, you know you need to do it, but you just don't wanna do it. I've had so many moments like that in my life. My mum used to take me to these singing contests in our local area called Stokes Valley. She would sign me up and go, go babe, go sing. And she would make me sing, um, I believe the children are the future. Remember that song, Winnie Houston? Teach them well. She would make me get up and then at the end of it, because we're indigenous to New Zealand, she would say, now at the end you have to say, Tahiru Torifa Kisiowehi. It was the most embarrassing thing. That's the way you finish off every song in an indigenous way. It was the most embarrassing thing. School um, speeches. I remember one time I hid in a bathroom just to try and avoid the speech that I was doing, which was a speech on why I hated speeches. <laughs> Any form of exercise, we all know it. Healthy eating, we all know it. You know you, you need to do it, but you just don't want to do it. We were out the other, the other day eating together. <laughs> and this amazing man of God was like, you know what? Joel's like, Pastor Joel's like, you know what? Today, I'm inspired by you, Levi. I'm gonna eat a salad. And we're like, that's so cool for you. And he sits there. We get to the end. We're all finished. We're all waiting. And it's, he's still there eating his salad, like kind of trying his best to grab at the lettuce and he's, it, and, you know, taking forever. You know that you need to do it, but you just don't want to do it. So good. Do you guys remember the movie How to Lose Guy in 10 Days? Where Matthew McConaughey is in the vegan area and he's like, putting the salt in and like swishing the water around his mouth. It was that kind of moment. It was awesome. <laughs> and so often in the moments of life where you know that you need to keep going, when you know that you need to persevere like the Scripture encourages us to do, those burn moments, our answer can be to run, to hide, or to just give up. I don't know about you, but over the last few years, it's been a time of polarisation, a time of high anxiety, a time where we have had problems and trials, in my opinion, not as big as many of the rest of the world, problems and trials of many kinds, and many people have chosen to give up. But I believe, um, you know, whether it be giving up on their marriage, giving up on their business, giving up on their dreams, giving up on their church, giving up on their faith. But I believe that God wants to build in us the ability to persevere, to see character 
built on the inside of us and in turn be people who are filled with hope. Man, the world needs some more hope right now. Because yes, we're gonna experience burn moments, but there will be a turn moment. Let's jump back into my cycling story. We're cycling, it's hurting, it's burning, and everything in me wants to give up. And then this older gentleman, I see him come out on the side of the road from his little farming house, and he's watching us come up this hill. And uh, I see him, and he obviously can see that I'm struggling. Levi's a little bit ahead of me at this point, and I'm just trying to move my legs, keep them going. And he looks at me, and in a classic Kiwi accent, he says, oh, you'll be right. It's just around that corner. Keep going. (laughs) And I got so excited. I was like, oh, wait, there's a turn about to happen, and we're about to get to the top. So I keep going. I keep pushing. I turn around the corner and we go through this little bit through the hills. We come out onto the most incredible vista. I mean, New Zealand is beautiful, but this is the most incredible vista. We're at the end of the North Island looking out. You can see the South Island, the the ocean is there. And you know, the craziest thing happened. We got there, we jumped off our bikes, we looked around and all of the pain was gone. And the only thing that was left was joy, perspective, I had endured, I developed character, and I had found some hope. I looked out and I thought, wow, it was so worth it. And you know, at the end of the day, we go through so much, but God is so good that He finds us in the middle of the pain. And His Word says that He works all things for the good of those who love Him. He is so good that He turns those moments, if we keep going, He uses them for the good. Say to your neighbour, neighbour, keep going. Say to your other neighbour, neighbour, it may be burning, but it's almost turning. So today I wanna give you some thoughts, some quick thoughts on how I believe we can get through the burn to get to the turn. Because there will be moments, and there has been a few years, where we will all experience the burn. But the question is, what will you do with it? So point number one, if you're taking notes, is this. Have a treaty. Have a treaty. When we were young, we decided when we got married that we would have a treaty. A treaty was something that we would stick to. And we had different things on it. We had things like we will be positive in our speech. We had things like we would be faith-filled. We had things like the first person to say sorry wins the argument. We had a whole lot of different things that were a part of our treaty. But one of them was that the Mary Church family would never give up, that we would endure. We saw this scripture and we believed the Word of God that if we were able to be people who would endure, it would be good for us. And so we decided that the Mary Church family would never give up. And this came from a message that we'd heard at a pastor's conference where Pastor Tommy Barnett was preaching. And he gets up and he's, I mean, he could get up and say nothing and you're just like, thank you, Jesus, you know. <laughs> and, uh, and he gets up and he kind of, you know, he's walking and he says, be encouraged, pastors, you know, keep going, blah, blah, blah. And then he says this, he goes, you know, it's okay to think about giving up. 
And I was like, praise Jesus. I'm ready to give up. Tommy Barnett said it. This is good. I've got permission. And then he went on to say, as long as you never give up. And I was like, wait, what? (laughs) He said, it's okay to think about giving up as long as you never give up. And you know, something like this is easy to say until it gets put to the test. And it will get put to the test, guys. Welcome to life. Welcome to Christianity. If you signed up for Christianity light, it doesn't exist. If you signed up for Christianity, the easy version, that also doesn't exist. The Bible's literally like, rejoice for you'll have trials of all kinds. Guys, we've signed up for this. We have signed up for the fact that there are going to be things and we're going to be tested. For Levi and I, we were tested really early on. Our oldest son, Ryder, he's 13 now, healthy, praise God. But when we went in for our scan, um, it was the most interesting, heartbreaking, crazy experience ever. We were so delighted, we were excited, and we went in to find out um, what his gender was. And we're there, you know, you know what it's like when you're going in and ladies like doing the thing, and you're like, oh my gosh, there's a baby. You know, it's like so exciting. And, uh, and then the lady goes, oh, who does that? Like, keep your opinions to yourself, you know? <laughs> keep that kind of feedback to yourself. Did you not learn this at medical school, you know? Here's how to deal with people. Don't say, oh, while you're scanning their baby. <laughs> and she says, oh. And she says, sorry, I'll be back soon. And then she walks out of the room. So we're lying there going, uh, what? What's just happened? She comes back in with another colleague and she says, I'm sorry, we're gonna have to end the scan today and you're going to need to go and see a specialist. And we're like, "Uh, why? And she said, oh, I can't speak to it. I think it's best that you go and see a specialist. And we said, well, we'd just like to know anything. And she said, well, your baby has got a diaphragmatic hernia. And we're like, well, that doesn't sound that bad. I've got friends who have had hernias. She said, no, no, no. What it means is that your, your baby has no diaphragm. No diaphragm has formed on the inside of his body. There's a little bit, but it's not a lot. And I said, well, we're like, okay, what does that mean? And she said, I can't speak to it. So then we leave and we do what any good person does when you're in search of truth. We Googled it. <laughs> Worst thing to do ever. All of the percentages coming up, just saying babies who are born with this, have very little chance of survival. Really tricky, it's gonna be hard. We start crying in the car, we go and see the specialist. Specialist immediately offers us abortion. He said, it's gonna be too difficult, there's a very low chance that he's he's gonna make it. The hole is too big, there's not gonna be a lot that we can do. We say, no, we're gonna push through. And so we keep going, we keep going, we keep going. Scan after scan after scan, just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. At 37 weeks, I couldn't, I needed to get past 37 weeks in order for his lungs to just have any um, chance of making it. Basically, all of his guts had spilled up into his chest, causing his heart to move across and his lungs not to be able to form. And so we would go in over and over. And every time you know what it's like, you're holding faith, you're believing. We're saying things to ourselves like, God, we gave up everything so we could follow after you. Doesn't this mean we get some kind of like, you know, exemption from this kind of stuff? The answer is no. 
We live in a fallen world. There are some things that we won't know the answers to on this side of eternity. And so we would go in and at uh, about 37 weeks, they had to put this huge needle in to pump out all of the fluid because he couldn't swallow the amniotic fluid. There was no space. But if he was born early, then he wouldn't be able to make it. He was born at 37 and a half weeks. And the specialist basically said, he's gonna come out and when we put the life support in, he's either gonna go pink or he's gonna go dark grey. We don't know. He comes out, they put the life support down and we're just there waiting, hoping that he's gonna start breathing. And sure enough, I'll never forget it, the doctor had the funniest voice. He stands there and he goes, oh, he's going pink. (laughs) The most glorious words I have ever heard uttered from any person's mouth. Uh, He then went on to have three major surgeries before the age of one. I remember one particular day, he just wasn't breathing after a surgery. And uh, we're standing there and they're whacking his chest, trying to get it to do anything. They're trying to shove the cords down and it's happening all so quickly that there's just, you know, there's just stuff happening. And we see him go every shade of blue right down to dark, dark grey. And we walk out of the room and we're standing in a family room and I'm crying and Levi's crying and our pastor walks in and he says, "Um, how's it going? We said, well, it's not going good. It's actually really awful. Why why is this happening? Like, why is it happening to him? Why, Why are we going through this? And he looks at us and he says, hey, have you like put this in the hands of God? Have you given writer to God? Or are you trying to face this one alone? We realised that in that moment, we actually hadn't handed Ryder to God. We hadn't stuck really to this non-negotiable that we had of just not giving up, of no matter what season we were in, always recognising the goodness of God and always giving Him praise. And so we sat there together, the hardest prayer we've ever prayed, got down on our knees and we said, Lord, if we've just had him for this period of time, we are grateful. God, we give right to you. We thank you for the time that we had him. And Father, no matter what happens, we will serve you with our lives. We love you, God. Would you please come through? Amen. Then we walked out of that room, walked over to Ryder and everything had changed. All of his numbers had gone up. The doctors were like, he started breathing. We don't know what's going on, but something has shifted. Something has changed. And in that moment, everything changed. Ryder never went back to hospital. He never had another surgery after that moment. He is a strong, healthy, 13-year-old, most wonderful boy you could ever hope to imagine. But here's the thing we need to understand. We, we think that life is just supposed to be a walk in the park. It's not. Things are going to be happening. There will be moments when you doubt yourself. There will be moments where it's so tough, where it's so hard, but we cannot give up. What are your non-negotiables as a family or as a person? In that moment for us, we decided we would not give up. We would keep going. Listen, when you lose your why, you will always lose your way. When you lose your why, you will always lose 
your way. We've been talking a lot with our staff about what it means to be a disciple. And one of the key themes that's coming out is just that it's not easy. You will have trials of many times, but look at when the disciples, the the larger, wider group of disciples found it hard to follow Jesus and many of them turned away. What did the 12 disciples say to Jesus when He asked them, will you leave too? This, This was their response. Where else will we go? Where else will we go, Lord? Being a disciple is having an understanding that there may be difficult times. Sometimes we may not understand, but where else will we go, Lord? Where else will we go? If God is God, then we must stay the path. I will build the church with my life. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We will endure, we will not give up. We will be people who build character and therefore we will be those people who will bring hope to the communities that we are in. Point number two, if you're taking notes. This is a quick one, but don't become isolated. Don't become isolated. In the middle of what you're going through, don't become isolated. And we've been taught for the last two years to be isolated, literally. It's like isolation, you, isolation, isolation. Did you have isolation? You need isolation. Every person, it's like isolation, isolation everywhere. We have been taught to be isolated, but we cannot be isolated. The Bible is full of scriptures about not allowing yourself to be isolated. Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people fall, but in an abundance of counsellors, there is safety. Proverbs 19 to 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 24, 6 says, For by wise guidance you can wage your war, and in an abundance of counsellors there is victory. And one of my favourite, Proverbs 27, verse 6, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. But it's funny that when things start to really burn, we just decide to isolate ourselves. We shut people out. Why do we do that? It's because that's the enemy's plan. He just wants you to feel isolated all the time. But our minds can be crazy, crazy things, guys. And we can get weird. We all know that person who is weird because they just don't let anyone speak into their world. We can have moments of space to ourselves for sure. I'm an introvert. My favourite thing to do is to sit by my large front window and look at trees. There's <laughs> no shame in that. It's awesome. I sit there, I got my cup of coffee, I look at the tree and I think, nothing. (laughs) It's beautiful. I love it. I love being by myself. But man, not too much. I've got to be in community. You know, we've got to get away from these excuses of, well, I'm an introvert, so I don't like people. I don't like hanging out. I don't like listening to people. No, no, you're just a proud introvert. You can be an introvert and not be proud. You can be an introvert and not be too walled up to listen to the good advice from people. We need to allow people to speak into our lives. Look at Jesus. In the toughest moment in His time here on earth, the Mount of Olives, 
Luke 22, it says this, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and His disciples followed Him. On reaching that place, He said, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Then He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Crazy to think that even God in the flesh, when He was facing that real burn moment before the greatest turn moment in all of human history, that He only withdrew a stone's throw away. He still had people close to Him right at the toughest time. Who knows that if Jesus, like if God in the flesh, still has people around Him in the toughest moment, then how much more do we need people around us in our toughest moments? Don't be isolated. Don't allow yourself to be isolated. We need to be strengthened by God in prayer, yes, but supported by people through counsel and company. Let people in your world, let them ask the hard questions. Be honest. Don't be like Ikea where you're just showroom. Levi preaches about this, where you're just a showroom Christian and no one ever sees the warehouse. Let people see the warehouse in your life. Be honest, be open. Listen to what others have to say. And as I finish, point number three is that the memories have got to go. The memories have got to go. This is a funny point. You're thinking, what do you mean? Memories have got to go. Isaiah 64 verse eight says this. And yet, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. You know, we often, um, clay has been used in so many illustrations and Christian messages over the years. Um, For me, I studied clay. That was what my degree is in, is in fine arts. And we did a lot of work with clay. And there is so much more to the clay process than simply having a picture of God sitting at a wheel, lovingly crafting this beautiful vessel. Because that's what we think. We read the Scripture and we go, oh, that's so lovely. Like, oh, I can see Him. That's what He does for me. He pours out and He lovingly crafts me. It's so good. And that's true. Without the hand of the potter, we're just another piece of clay. Um, One of the key things to know about clay is that once it's formed, it goes onto the drying shelf. And unless it goes onto the drying shelf, it's never gonna be ready for the fire. What's the drying shelf for? The drying shelf is to make sure that all of the impurities that are still left in the clay have time to come out before it reaches the fire. Because if it reaches the fire with the impurities still in it, it will crack, it will break, it will never form in the way that it's supposed to. Can I encourage some people today? You may feel as though you're sitting on the drying shelf of life. You may feel like God has forgotten you. You may feel as though your Christianity is dry. You may feel as though your time is done. You may have had many prophetic words over your life, encouragement, dreams in your heart, and you're thinking, well, it's all done. I've just been sitting here. Can I encourage you? That is not just a space where you're just sitting there. A lot of the time, we are just sitting on the drying shelf and God is saying, hey, just keep holding on. Just keep waiting. I'm just getting you ready so that when you get to the fire, you're going to be able to withstand the heat. Embrace the drying shelf. It is not a bad place to be. 
But the other part of the clay that's really interesting is the step right before it even gets formed. One of my friends, she's a wonderful potter and she does a lot of work with clay. And I asked her to write down what it is uh, to eliminate the memories. Eliminate the memories. And she said this, the clay has a memory. Once you have formed it, it desperately wants to go back to its old shape as it dries and shrinks. The clay has to be pounded and mixed in order to realign the particles so that the clay will hold its new shape. If the keys want to come and join me. So that the clay will hold its new shape. Can I show you what it looks like to pound and get the particles realigned just really quickly? Because we think, oh, it's so lovely. God's up there molding the clay, getting it ready. So nice. No, this is what happens when a person who is working with clay is getting the clay ready. <laughs> Let me show you again. And this happens over and over and over again. Now, let's have a good picture. For the moment, I'm not a heretic, but let's just say I'm God. And this is you. I love you. You're so amazing. You're going to do great things. The memories have just got to go. And it happens again. And again. And you might be going, man, I just feel like I'm being just beaten around a bit. Welcome to the journey that God has for you. Over and over. Why? Because we all come with memories. We all come with an old way of life. We all come with an old way of doing things. And unless we go through this process, we're always gonna wanna go back to what we had known. We're always gonna wanna go back to where we were before. There will be trials, but in those trials, God is doing something really good. Essentially, it's the sanctification process where God shapes us, moulds us, pushes out all of the stuff to become more like Him. Endurance develops strength of character. You know what else is really cool? Is when you go to a person who sells clay, you know what they ask? before you buy it. It's really awesome. I love how God just works His way and His Word and His truth into nature and so many things around us. You go up and you say, <clears throat> I think I wanna buy that clay. And then you ask this question, what is the character of the clay? And in asking what the character of the clay is, you're asking one simple question. How often has it been through this process? Isn't that amazing? God needs us to go through that process. 
This is why the Bible says in James 1, 2-4, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Perfect and complete. The memories have got to go. The old has gone and the new has come. Yes, we will face trials of many kinds, but we must endure. We must keep going. You know what I love about no matter where we are at in life? Because you may just feel like you're just done. You're just dry. You're tired. Your piece of clay is cracked, broken, unusable, supposed to be a bowl. It's now just something to scratch the back of your ears with. Who knows? But God is so good that He talks about His Holy Spirit that no matter how many cracks, no matter how long you've been going through it, He'll just pour out His water, His Holy Spirit. You are never too far gone for God. Your life is never too dry for Him. And He just says, hey, don't worry, I got you. And we'll just start back at the beginning. Just let me remould. We just need to trust Him, guys. If this journey of Christianity is for real, if God is real, then man, we gotta stop watching all the news, listening to all these people who are apparently, you know, professors and things they've literally never learned about. We gotta stop questioning the Word of God. It is His truth, it is His way. Yes, there are things happening in the church globally, but guys, you know, my family got me ready for the church. My family is so messed up, so random. But I don't walk into my family's house and say, well, my sister did this, so all of you can just, yep, I'm gone. We just love each other. We're a family. My family got me ready for the church. I never expected perfection from the church. Neither should you. We're going through this season right now where everything is just being thrown up in the air, but do not question the things that God has put in place for us. Keep going, keep pushing through, keep believing, don't give up. And if you feel dry, if you feel like you're on the shelf, if you feel like your time is done, can I encourage you? It's not. God is so good and He is just ready, hovering, ready to do something great in your life and in this church. In Jesus' Name. Can I pray for you? God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your faithfulness. We thank You, Father, that no matter what season we are in, You are with us. And I just pray, God, that we would be a people who endure, that we would be a people who go against the grain, who go against the tide, and who in the middle of it all develop such great character, that we would be Christians, disciples of Jesus, who have a strength of character that is found in relying on You and pushing through and trusting Your Word, trusting who You are in our lives, and then in turn becoming people who can offer the world hope, that we would be people full of hope 
that hope would blaze from our eyes because of the goodness of God. We thank You, Lord, for Your Word. We glorify the Name of Jesus. And every person said, Amen. Thanks for listening with us today. If you enjoyed it, check out more messages like this at celebrationedmonton.com or on the Celebration Church mobile app. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give on our website at celebrationedmonton.com. Come back next week to hear another great message.